Welcome to Middle of the Curve. My name is Sean, and I, along with my co-host Ali, are a pair of incredibly average law students that want to make the law a little more digestible. Not only do we discuss oddly specific and frankly silly areas of law, but we also talk about current events and random topics that come along. Huge disclaimer, neither of us are lawyers, and nothing we say on this podcast should be interpreted to be legal advice. This was made purely for entertainment and slight educational purposes. We hope you enjoy, and a huge shout-out to Emily Powell and Dr. Cope for the music in the background. What's up, Ollie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hi, Ollie. Who are you? Uh... I, I I don't know. I don't know anymore. I guess on a side note, I did this one activity. It was supposed to be like a team building activity where you get paired up with a partner and they ask you like vague questions but over and over again every time you answer. And you do that for like a couple minutes per question. So I was I was paired with my, my friend Ashley mm-hmm. and um, like a question she would ask me or like I would ask her it was like, who are you? And then I would answer. And then she would just keep re- repeating that same question over and over again. And like, it's weird to say it out loud, but I don't know. That's probably one of my, the, the favorite, one of my favorite team building activities I've ever done. This is a completely digression from the episode, but. Right. But it's lit. <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold on. I, so you, you would, you'd be like, who are you? And you'd be like, Ali. And then you'd be like, who are you? And you'd be like, Ali. <laughs> I'm so confused. How is that team building? Right? Like, I don't know. Are you, like, are you so supposed like, to like break down eventually? Uh, naturally, what happens, the way the questions are structured is like you, uh, the, the questions of like, who are you came at the end. That was the one I remember because it started, you get like very personal and it's like, oh, I did not expect this to happen. But at first it was like, where, where did you come from? And you'd have to ask that question for like a minute. And, and you keep, that was, I think that was one of the first questions. And it was like, you keep repeating that question to them. And then they keep like telling you more. And then as the, as the questions progress, you get more and more personal. And then it's like, oh. wow, this got really personal. So you have to, you have to like give more per answer, right? You can't just like repeat. Yeah. Like if you said, where are you from? And I just said Ohio over and over again for a minute and a half. I feel like that kind of I, there was, from what I remember, there was no like explicit requirement that you had to do that, but it was something that naturally happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyways, uh, who are you, Ali? I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, Ali, whoever you are, mm-hmm. we have a very special guest on today's show. Yes, we do. Um, you might say that I feel a special connection <laughs> to this individual. <laughs> Why would um, you say that? Uh, because, you know, I feel like in a way we're related. But, like, aren't we all related, Ali? You know, in the, in the grand scheme of things? Maybe, maybe. But as, as we were recording this, it is Father's Day. Um, it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day happy to Father's all Day. the fathers out there. To all the uh, Nathan is a father. Past Nathan is lectures. a father. So happy birthday! Sorry, happy Father's Day. 
uh, Nathan. <laughs> happy soon to be Father's Day. Um, you know. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, a lot of people are probably soon to be fathers. So, you know, take the day off. You know, you've earned it. If you even have plans of having kids, take the day off. Right. You're, you're, you're going to be a father one day. So this day's for you. Right. I, I want to be a father I, I someday. I don't, you know, judging by how things are going in my romantic life, I don't know how else to say. I don't, Ollie, I don't see that happen anytime. Ollie, soon. you are the most handsome man I know. Shut the hell up. You're so handsome. Uh, yeah, I am. I disagree. Anyway, this is, this is <laughs> <a> weird. <laughs> Anyways, so because it's Father's Day, uh, I thought it would be good. Because it works out that my dad is a infection preventionist, which I now know the technical term. I thought it was infection control nurse. Apparently they changed the name um, for Hospice of the Western Reserve and is a medical professional. Uh, so I thought in celebration of Father's Day, we would interview my very own father and talk to him a little bit about what it was like raising such a handsome successful funny such a disappointment (laughs) (laughs) yeah raising the abomination that is myself and one day when we have a million followers and you know we quit from law school to to do this full time (laughs) which will totally happen follow us on instagram mtc underscore podcast anyways um (laughs) i i fully intend for this to be a, a black dot on our record. <laughs> Something I look back on and be like, why in God's name did we let <laughs> my father talk shit about me for an hour? <laughs> I don't know. I I think I would. I'm going to look back and appreciate it. Appreciate that <laughs> I didn't let my dad do that. <laughs> oh, you're, you're a piece of shit. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Granted, so my dad, you're also in the same state as your dad. And I that's am true. not. That's fair. He's he's down there shooting guns in Texas. Yeehaw. No, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone does in Texas, right? Uh, yeah, allegedly. That's just what it's... they do in, in their free time, is they just shoot at things. It doesn't matter what you're shooting you at, know, you're just shooting, right? Honestly, yeah. Like, I've I've grown, like, a lot of the people I grow, I have grown up with, like, in high school, people... Like you get guns pretty early in Texas. I don't know if it's legal. Like people, when they turn like sixteen or so, they would get like a rifle or something. What? Yeah, I could. And I could they, would, drive they would go 16. underneath. Like, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. They would go to like, uh, like a river or like a lake, and they would just shoot into the lake <laughs> for fun. And is that, that how you fish uh, down there? This is like, I guess so. This is a little glimpse into what it was like being in texas but i will say a lot of people aren't like that either so i didn't do that uh you're in ohio to my dad so (laughs) here in ohio we just law-abiding citizen (laughs) (laughs) Uh, here in ohio we just shoot at helpless animals uh that's what we we tend to do that's like when we shoot guns we usually shoot at a target or at helpless deer instead of like like our good friend nathan um, oh yeah! Oh, or we or we shoot squirrels in our backyard like my dad does. He shoots them with a BB gun though. He doesn't shoot them with a regular gun. I don't even know if we have a gun. Moral of the story is, 
my dad is coming on the show. He's going to talk about a lot of stuff. I'm very excited. But first, wow. Holy crap, Ali. Some bombshell just dropped. Actually, two, technically, but we're only going to talk about the first one right now. Uh, bombshell. Yeah, uh, there was two cases, right? There was a DACA case, but that one isn't yeah. as much of a bombshell. Because in, in true Supreme Court fashion, they just punted it so that, that they can try again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so we won't talk about that one as much. But they, the Supreme Court on, I think it was, was it Tuesday? I want to say it's Tuesday. It was Wednesday. Moral of the story is they, they released an, a ruling on a, a case called Bostock versus Clayton County. And I work in employment. That is the area of law I work in currently. And, oh my God, the office caught on fire. <laughs> the moment this case dropped, um, because everyone was so, it was so crazy. Because for those of you that don't know, Bostock versus Clayton County was a Supreme Court case that was heard in like September of last year. Um, and they just finally released the opinion. It was a 6-3 majority opinion. Um, that says that you cannot discriminate against an individual under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 um, solely on the fact that they are gay or transgender. So it's actually a really, really strongly worded opinion. They really don't kind of beat around the bush, right? It's a, it's a 20-page opinion. I've read the entire thing because I had to for work. Um, I highly recommend everyone read it because it's actually like, especially if you're in law school, it's an actually it's an excellent <laughs> way of looking at the textualist approach, which we've discussed on this podcast in in very short periods before. They basically said that there is absolutely no way you can discuss gender discrimination without, uh, or or dis- or discuss gender sexual orientation discrimination without in some way having it relate to gender discrimination, right? So the main argument is like Neil Gorsuch, who is a very conservative-leaning justice, actually wrote the opinion for this, the majority opinion, um, wrote it basically arguing that while sexual orientation and, and, and being gay and transgender isn't explicitly written in Title VII, so for clarification, I guess I should say that Title VII uh, was released as part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, the basis for all federal claims in discrimination, employment discrimination. So you can't discriminate against someone based on their color, their uh, national origin, religion, gender. Uh, those are kind of the, the base. And sex. Sorry, sorry, not gender, sex. I apologize. Because those are two <laughs> different things. And so the, the argument they make in the case and that Neil Gorsuch makes, he's, it's a very interesting argument, is that when you talk about dis- discriminating someone or firing someone because they are gay, so let's say you are firing a man for being interested in men, if you are treating them in any way that you would not treat the opposite gendered individual in, in a situation that, that opposite gendered, it's gender discrimination. So if, if you were to fire a man for being attracted to men, but you would not fire a woman for being attracted to men, 
it's gender discrimination, right? Because you're treating a man differently than you would treat uh, what, what we say in, in employment law is a similarly situated female employee. Okay. So, and to me, that makes sense, right? Like that just like is a logical conclusion one, one would make, mm-hmm. right? And it's crazy because it's actually a very, it's a very striking definition for gender discrimination, right? Because, because it makes sense because that's what gender discrimination is. It is treating a man differently than you would treat a woman, treating a woman differently than you would treat a man. And, and basically the, the main conclusion is that someone's sexual orientation or someone's perceived gender identity um, is so tied to their sex or tied to the concept of sex, like, like a person's gender and, and sex, is that it, you cannot have, you, it literally cannot be not, not intertwined with Title VII because it's just such a, there's such a logical follow-up with that. Mm-hmm. And it's, ins- it, it's insane to me that, that it turned out the way that it did just the way that the, the makeup of the court went, all the, obviously all the more left-leaning judges sided with the majority. Um, Chief Justice Roberts sided with the majority. But Neil Gorsuch was, and it's crazy to see that because Neil Gorsuch was a, he's a Trump appointee. He's a very conservative leading judge. But the, the, the opinion he wrote is very much so, it's not political. And, and, and that's what the dissent kind of points at. The, the dissent written by Alito, Thomas and Kavanaugh, which is like five times longer than the majority opinion, because <laughs> of course, because big mad, because big mad, basically accuses them of of misusing textualism, which is which is understanding a, a statute based on the words that are written. Right, it's a very this is black and white. This is what's written. It, do do not interpret it in a way that it's not written and. <clears throat> They, he, he, he very much so approaches it from a, a legal standpoint, right? Because it's a, very, it's a very political topic. It's a very hot, hot topic. But he approaches it from a very logical, very based in the law. It's a, uh, it's a what's the word I'm looking for? Logical. Uh, extension? Yeah, it's, it's an extension of it, right? But, but the dissent is very much so, like, especially Kavanaugh's dissent is very much so a, listen, like, this is obviously something that should be in the law. I don't think he said it in quite as, as nice as words because it's Kavanaugh, but that's what I kind of interpreted. It was that, like, like, he's like, this is a victory, all that good stuff, but it should have been done in Congress. He said, he said that it's not the court's job. Um, if they wanted gender discrimination or gender sexual orientation and, and gender identity discrimination to be in the law, they should have Congress do it, which I think is stupid because I think that that would be redundant. And uh, because it's so, I agree with I agree with Gorsuch that it's so inextricably, inextricably, inextricably. Uh, I think that's the word tied to sex and gender that. <laughs> including it would be redundant because gender identity and sexual orientation is tied to someone's sex and their gender. Right. So how could it not be a logical follow-up? Like just the next logical step in, in interpreting what, what sex means. 
I agree. I this this makes sense. Gorsh 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 Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> he makes a compelling argument, and I fully agree with it. But then, so why why did it take the dissent a hundred pages to create? the other the opposing argument that's a great question um i have i had to read the majority so one important caveat to remember is that the dissent isn't law right the majority is law the dissent is basically like big mad i I agree big mad is is probably the best term because it's not it's not nothing can come out of it it's just it's just the minority of the court making a very strong statement in opposition of, of what just happened um, I haven't read the full hundred page dissent because a it's not law and b I have better things to do with my life uh, because I just like fundamentally disagree with <laughs> their arguments. So I read enough to get the idea of what their argument was because everyone should, but I I don't want to read them repeating the same you know argument over and over again in different in different words. They are very upset that they think that uh, and to be fair, they make a decent enough argument in that Scalia, Antonin Scalia, who is like the father, not the father, but like the, the forefront of the textualist approach, probably wouldn't have agreed with Gorsuch. And they're like, they're basically making the argument like you're taking the late, he had just recently passed, Antonin Scalia's textualist approach of basically shitting all over it, turning it into a political machine to, to drive forward policy-based arguments, which... Like, I get it, right? Because in the strictest textualist approach, like sexual, sexual gender or gender identity and sexual orientation discrimination is not in Title VII, but it is so tied to sex in Title VII that I think that a textualist approach could, I could see it being a logical next step in, in taking a look at what does sex mean, right? So it's it's not necessarily adding to the law. It's more so doing what the court's supposed to do, which is interpreting the law to to include that. So basically, that's that's the core. I know I've rambled a little bit, but this is a very complicated topic that really shouldn't be that complicated, but it is. But the core argument is just what does, and it's interesting because it's really nothing is based on the uh, the whether or not discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation should be a thing. Right. No one yeah. in the dissent is arguing that they should be free to do it. They are just arguing that um, Title VII does protected. or does not include those people. Yes. So that's one thing that that people should probably remember is that the courts aren't trying to say whether gender or gender identity or sexual orientation discrimination is a good or a bad thing. Uh, they are just saying whether or not it applies under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which you know I work at a plaintiff side employment firm so of course we've thought for forever that the answer is yes um it's just very nice to have it finally finally you know in in the highest court of the land agree with us so but one thing to keep in mind is that it is a interpretation of a federal law so it only applies to federal cases under title seven so for example 4112 which is the ohio revised code um, is the Unlawful Employment Act's code. So gender discrimination, all that stuff falls under 4112. And that is not touched at all by 
this case, this ruling. So technically speaking, under state law, it is not unlawful to discriminate against someone based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. But under federal law, it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But then how how would it, unless you have a federal employer then, or they do, there's a federal... Like, I'm trying to, I don't know much about yeah. employment. So, so it just seems like if it's a federal employer, that would be the only way this Supreme Court. Right, yeah, federal claims that. are, so you can file a federal discrimination complaint. There's extra steps you need to go through. So you need to go through the Equal Employment Opportunity Council, which our lovely civil procedure professor was on. Um, professor Hoffman, shout out. Yeah, she was, she was, she worked for those people, but, um, so you'd have to file through them as, and it, then it depends. It depends on the circumstances around your claim. Usually it's a choice people make whether or not to file. So for example, under the ADA or for like an age discrimination complaint, you have to be over 40 or there's like a strict rule. And then there are certain guidelines that follow, but for state claims, you don't have to be 40. I don't think, I think it's, it's much, I think it might be easier. I could be wrong to be fair. I haven't filed a lot of state age claims, so it might not be one, but, but there is a caveat to that statement because doing, I was doing research on a different claim, um, just during work Mm -hmm. and there is a case in Ohio out of Franklin County, the Court of Appeals 10th Circuit. So technically, doesn't, it doesn't mean much for most courts outside of Franklin County, but it's definitely an interesting, courts have used that opinion before that states basically that Ohio, the Ohio Revised Code 4112, that, that law and opinions and court, court rulings that interpret Title VII generally apply to Ohio law, right? Okay. So there are courts in Ohio that have stated that, that, that interpreting Title VII can generally apply to Ohio law. So it, there's definitely a, depending on the county, it's going to very heavily depend on the county, but there are county court, appeal, appellate level courts that are very much so willing to follow the way that title seven is interpreted Mm -hmm. so i can see in the future even though technically you can only be you're only protected under federal claims that i can see that changing very quickly either through the ohio supreme court or the texas supreme court or, or stuff like that where a case goes through the channels and then they basically say look the ohio like the united states supreme court literally said this so like you can't do this right so technically while technically speaking, most people, like not a lot has changed <laughs> because it only applies to federal claims. I can yeah. see that being a catalyst for very quickly 4112 in Ohio. I don't know what the Texas statute is, but, but having either, either legislative action to include gender identity. And there are nine, ten states in the country that, that have this already, but Ohio is not one of them. That's it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a fifth. One, yeah. One fifth I mean, that number the... may be wrong, to be fair. Don't have the graph up, but it's not, it's not 100%. I can tell you that much, and it's pro- I think it's less than 50. Yeah, and uh, I can imagine that changing very quickly. Or not, depending on, depending on, the, depending on the state. You know? yeah. So this is a huge victory for equal rights under federal claims under title seven, but 
under state law claims, you know, how it's going to work is that, you know, if, if you have a gender sexual identity or sexual orientation, gender identity uh, claim, you just file it in federal court, right? That's how I see most of it getting around. And that may be how this works is that now all sorts of claims like this just go through a federal, federal court system. But then you have issues of civil procedure where you can like, it's, it's weird because if, yeah. if the federal law and the state law is incongruent, then like, how do you deal with the removal process? And right. Cause if you remove it, uh, or you, sorry, you, you, did you remove, you don't remove it from state to from federal to state, you remove it from state to federal. What's the process of, uh, moving back down to state. <laughs> Is there a thing you can do that? Uh, I don't know, man. No, I, I haven't been in CIP Pro in like six years. You know, I didn't. I, I only passed the class. Let's That's it. true. That's true. <laughs> I, I shouldn't speak on something I'm not aware of. So, but there, it does need... Do you think... Good. Uh, no, no, you. I, I just, I, I, I'm I, just go. saying I don't, I don't know enough to speak on the intricacies of the civil procedure aspects of, of filing in state no. versus federal court enough. So I'm not going to speak on it. Do you think this might result in like test cases then uh, or like different people in different states will purposefully violate state laws just to change? Well, it's tough. It's tough with with employment discrimination because like (laughs) how do you purposefully get fired for being gay? Right. Like it's just kind of going to be like a, a wait and see, you know, see what happens. It's super cool, and and understand that I am by no means an employment attorney. This is not legal advice. It's not legal advice. I am. I have worked at an employment firm for like a month now, right? So I have a very basic understanding, and they make me, you know, as as part of my job, I have to have a basic understanding of forty one twelve and Title Seven. I've written multiple blog posts about Title Seven. I've written multiple blog posts about forty one twelve, none of which have been posted. So so they're probably trash, but. (laughs) It's what another really cool, not cool, fascinating part about this case is how it applies to other aspects of gender. Um, obviously, it's huge for the LGBTQ plus community, obviously. But the, the, the wording of Gorsuch's opinion is very strong and lays out very broad, very broad like definitions for what constitutes gender discrimination. So another thing that could be on the table now is, you know, stuff like that has nothing to do with it, but like things like hair policies is another really interesting because if you take the interpretation of gender of sex discrimination and gender discrimination that Gorsuch is laying out, which is that treating a male employee in any way that you would not treat a female employee, regardless of any other context Right. So another part of the case is that they say that even if there are other reasons you're terminating this individual, if their sexual orientation or gender identity had any part of it, it's gender discrimination. Right. It's, it's sex discrimination. So hair policies, you know, if, if you have a hair policy for men that, they, that the hair cannot go past their shoulders, but you don't have that for a woman, you know, in the past, there hasn't been much of a claim there, there is one, but it's, it's tough to prove. But now under this new Supreme Court case, you know, it's very lays out a very broad definition of what sex discrimination is, which is basically like if you treat a woman differently than a man or a man differently than a woman, it doesn't matter, right? Like that is gender mm-hmm. discrimination no matter how small. 
no matter how little it plays a part in their termination or in their, you know, in the discrimination, it doesn't matter. So another, another interesting question that will be brought up is uh, paternity leave. Paternity leave is a very hot topic right now because uh, under this ruling, if you were too willing to give a mother maternity leave, but not willing to give a father paternity leave, is there a gender discrimination claim under title seven? That's another question because under this ruling, I mean, the odds are probably yes, because you are, not giving a man mater- a paternity leave when you would give a woman maternity leave. I know that there are intricacies yeah. because the responsibilities of a, of a father versus a mother, you know, and in the early childhood, as you say, the childhood are very different, but the, the basis is there. So it definitely opens up a lot of doors, a lot of positive doors for individuals. Uh, it, it opens up a lot of very interesting questions about religion because there are a lot of religious institutions and a lot of religious based employee employers that discriminate against or won't hire or will fire. And one thing title seven covers is it doesn't just cover firing someone. It covers not hiring someone. Right. Yeah. So if you choose, if you say we can't hire you because you're gay, that's also sexual discrimination under title seven. So, so I'm if thinking, you, these, thinking back, so when when I was in undergrad, um, I um, I was on like this diversity committee, and I met with this pastor at uh, at a church in Dallas. They had uh, like this the first LGBT youth homeless shelter mm-hmm. that was run through their their church, and I was talking to him, and he said that he got fired from a mega church in San Antonio at the time because he did, because he came out as gay. So now with this ruling. Yeah, that was, that was, that was sexual discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's crazy. If you look at the, the actual cases that were brought up to the Supreme court were insane. They, it was the Bostock. The actual Bostock was a man who was a skydiving instructor. And he told a woman who was nervous about him being pressed up against her during the skydiving. He said, don't worry, I'm gay. Like to calm her nerves. And he was fired for that. Yeah, he was fired because they, they didn't, because he's gay. That was the only reason. So he was terminated. And then another one, like a woman started identifying as a woman because she had uh, clinically diagnosed gender dys- dysmorphia. Is that the word? Uh, it's, it's, it's being, um, it's having the feelings of your, that you were born in the wrong body. And she started identifying as a woman. She sent out this huge email to all of her coworkers explaining like why she felt like she needed to transition and that she was going to identify as a woman and that she was going to dress as a woman. Um, and then she was fired immediately after solely because uh, she wanted to identify as a, as a woman. The cases, like, you, you think, like, this, does, this couldn't happen, right? Like, there's no way that people just discriminate because people are gay. But it happens. It happened in these cases. It happens all the time. And now, especially now, it doesn't matter if, like, let's say you are, you're gay and you also um, miss a day of work, Right. Like your employer can't be like, yeah, if we fired them because he was gay, but also because of performance issues, right? They can't get around it like that, right? Because even if the way that they did it was so dumb, uh, it's such a weird example. Uh, They use an example that like you fire some, you fire a man, you have a policy that you fire all Yankees fans, but 
you only fire all women who are Yankees fans. You don't fire men who are Yankees fans. So that's still sexual discrimination, even though the whole reason you're firing them is only because they're Yankees fans. Right. So it can't just be a coincidence. Right. Yeah. Even though. Yeah. So it's, so it doesn't matter how little of an impact their gender plays or their gender identity or their sexual orientation, all that stuff. It's still, it's still discrimination. So fascinating. It's wild. And it's going to have such a weird uh, implication with religious freedoms, you know, um, it's going to be, it's opened the door to a lot of really interesting future Supreme court cases. And I'm fascinated that the Supreme court didn't punt this because they knew, well, they were well aware that, that this was going to open the floodgates of, of a bunch of different questions. So I feel like I ran about this a, was a long time. Gorsh, 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 Gorsuch, 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 Gorsuch. <laughs> Gorsuch. <laughs> All right. It's going to be interesting for sure. But I, I feel like I've talked about this for super long because A, I think it's, it's a landmark Supreme Court case. It is, it is mm-hmm. huge, actually. And um, I think it's awesome. And I'm, really, I'm really happy to be working in employment law at this time because I got to be there and writing about it the day it dropped which was really cool and and it'll be interesting to see how it how the implications change i'm gonna have to talk to some attorneys see like how are we adjusting our gender discrimination our sexual discrimination sex discrimination claims now that yeah under title seven all that stuff applies it'll be it'll be interesting for sure um so why don't you just tell us about yourself you know a little bit about who you are, what you do, what it was like to raise such an amazing child <laughs> that turned out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an RN and I'm an infection preventionist for uh, Hospice of the Western Reserve. And uh, Colleen and I met in college and got married and had three children. <laughs> One of which was supposed to be a girl. One of which was supposed to be a girl. And I, I, I told your mother for the first three years that we could just dress you up in dresses and nobody would know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> which is totally okay. Yeah. No, it's totally fine. And, it's and you're, you're, not, you you're, not any, a... you're not any worse, right? I That's mean, true. Wait, so you actually... <laughs> <laughs> so you did it? Wait, <laughs> You'll never know. Because, you know, we keep the pictures. Those are... Those are in my eyes. Yeah, I was wondering why I'd never seen pictures <laughs> until three. <laughs> That's right. In three, all of a sudden, he appears in, yeah. you know, a blue, a blue, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've lived here in the Cleveland area for 30 years, and you were raised in this house mostly. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was. And um, I'm still here. And you're still here. 23. You're doing well. <laughs> and I'm proud of you. And... Um, and I'm glad that you're at the, you know, being the middle of the curve in life is yeah. not, not the worst thing, not the ever. worst thing you can be, which is, <laughs> which is also probably genetic now that I think about it. Hey, <laughs> mom was really smart, right? Mom was really smart, but it was funny because I was, my undergrad was in biology and hers was in English theater. Right. So always, so you have a lot of, 
a lot of things. When you were a kid, you know, you used to line things up. That was your. I did. That was. Your I always. Thing. I always thought I would be an engineer, and then I realized I was really shitty at math. Yeah. Well, that's because we're all shitty. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so, what does a infection uh, preventionist, preventionist do? do? Well, I do a lot of stuff. I run the infection prevention program that's required by our regulatory agencies, Mm -hmm. the CMS and Joint Commission. So there are responsibilities um, to make sure that we're doing things safely, that we're keeping our patients safe and uh, trying to, uh, we'd have to have an infection control plan with all kinds of uh, things that we do, PPE and tracking and surveillance. And then I also uh, do a lot of the OSHA stuff. OSHA is the agency that protects employees they don't care about. So I do all of that. That's the, if you hear about the N95 respirators, that has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. And and again, employee illnesses and stuff like that. And then I do some employee health, you know, flu shots, TB testing and stuff like that. Yeah, I always like seeing the... um the boxes in our house that just say TB vaccine. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just sitting around our house and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, but they're, 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 it's not actually vaccine. Oh, so thanks for bursting my bubble. Yeah. I was assuming we'd just be super safe if there was an outbreak. Actually, you know, it's, I'm, you know, one of the regulatory issues is that I can't really bring it home. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. Now that I think about it. And that uh, it's a, it's a pharmacy thing. Right. But I mean, I give you know, six hundred flu shots a year, something like that. It's always fun. So uh, that, that's what I do. And right now, all I do is COVID twenty four hours a day, right? Seven yeah. days a week. I've gotten a front row seat to how awful all this shit has been for you. Right. Right. It's been it's been busy, no doubt. Yeah. When was... you have one an infection control program of one. Right. <laughs> it's it's you. You are it's, you are the, the buck right. stops at you. Right. So so it got it got really dicey early. And uh, we were afraid that there was gonna be a huge spike. Right. And the hospitals were gonna get overwhelmed and right. and they run out of ICU beds and then they'd have to start uh taking their patients and putting them in our facilities. We have right. three inpatient units. Um that uh, that we can house patients in, and but of course because we flattened the curve and everybody right. did the social isolation and sheltering in place and masking and all that kind of stuff, we flattened the curve, and so we're kind of just gonna be forever. Yeah, this is just this is just gonna kind of be how it is. Yeah, I think until we get a until we get a vaccine, until we get a, a, a viable vaccine that can be mass produced, and then you have to actually give it to everybody. And but right now we don't even know if the antibodies um, give you immunity. So mm, so, so even don't. having the antibody doesn't necessarily make you immune. Like you know like other coronaviruses, like the common cold and stuff, you can get them over and over and over and over again. And the reason right. is is because over time the circulating the amount of circulating antibodies in your in your in your um, in your body start to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually you can get you can get a viral load enough to produce symptoms wow. and that's that's the disease so you can have the virus but if you have enough of an immune response you have the virus but it never causes disease right and uh and that's what the flu shot does in about half the people is that about half 
Yeah, about yeah, 40, 50% effective right now. Wow. But the, but the flu is different than the coronaviruses. The flu, the virus actually changes. Mm. So um, the, the proteins on the surface of the pathogen kind of uh, kind of morph over time and right. it gets farther and farther away from the proteins that are in the vaccine. So right. makes sense. We, we, this is all way above my pay grade, but that's why we brought you on. Right. Right. Well, again, you know, that's what the coronavirus, that's what, that's what we're hoping is that it's, it's more like uh, SARS and MERS, which are the two other coronaviruses that have made the jump between animals and humans. Right. So this is the latest, this is the third coronavirus that's made that jump. Um, and it's happened, you know, happens a lot. That's how most of the new viruses, and that's the problem with the pandemic is that you get a, a, a novel virus that nobody is immune to. Right. So, you know, with the flu, it, you know, some people have a lot of partial immunity and stuff like that. So it's not going to be as bad, but the first few years of any new virus kind of suck. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, so do you think this is going to be, a thing where there's just enough people have to get infected before they'll yeah as long as the as long as the virus doesn't change and i and i don't think it will because sars and mers didn't it may be that uh that if enough people get it you know you get what's called herd herd immunity right so if if 90 percent of people they're probably 50%. 50%. If we got to 50% of people being infected and uh, recovering from the disease and building antibodies, then uh, more people are protected. The more people that have it, more uh, the more people are protected, and that's what's called uh, that's called herd immunity. And with the flu, you have to be at 90%. So if you have 90% of people around, you protect those people that um, uh, that that can't have the vaccine. But I think a vaccine will come for this one. The question is, is whether you'll have to have periodic boosters. Like, you know, every time you go to the ER, you know, they check whether you had your tetanus. Like, when did you have your last tetanus, they'll say. And if it's, mm-hmm. if it's more than 10 years, they give you another one. <laughs> and it's the, same, it's the same reason, is that over time, and the amount of circulating antibodies decrease, and you can actually get the disease again. So, so you need you periodically need boosters. So the question is, is whether do you need boosters every year, or you know, does one like um, uh, chickenpox, right, oh, polio, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Those you get one, and it's lifetime immunity, so you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about getting it again, or you get the disease, one or the other. Right. Did did SARS or MERS ever get a, uh, a vaccine, or uh, no, did it so, just somehow go uh, away? It, it really depends on yeah. So what happens is sometimes they they come and then they kind of they kind of wane. Now Mar, MERS and SARS are still around, but they're not actively circulating. So by the time that people were uh, developing vaccines, uh, the 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 break, the outbreaks kind of stopped. So there's no, there's no reason to continue to, to do that. And mm-hmm. Ebola is a good example of that, that there are actually two vaccines for Ebola. Uh, but the, they got the outbreaks under control um, and then they kind of put things on hold and they stopped doing trials and stuff because something else new comes along. But mm-hmm. I think that this is one that's not gonna go away. So, 
It's not. We live, gonna, we live by a highway. It's gonna be. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be around for. I figure another another year maybe before we're looking at when we have a vaccine that's readily available. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to to rush a vaccine, mostly if it's new technology. The new technology is really cool with these new vaccines is that it's really what they do is they inject you with um, pieces of RNA that are very similar to the RNA that the uh, virus injects into cells. Mm. And then your body, there's this thing called messenger RNA that comes in and replicates them. So they shoot you with RNA and then your body makes whole bunch of copies and then your immune system reacts to that right but i wouldn't i'm not sure if i want to be the first one to get that one (laughs) you know (laughs) i'm okay with proteins but you know shoot me with rna you know strange rna it's kind of it's kind of extraterrestrial stuff yeah you know know, grow a third arm yeah you know (laughs) you know so so i'd be hesitant if it's if it's brand new technology uh, there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy anyway, and mm-hmm. um, so I think people. But we do have technology that exists, and um, and I and I and I think it's safe. And I would, you know, be happy to to take it. They're actually trying to uh, make a vaccine that's not a shot. That would be great. Yeah, it's actually a band aid. It has oh. little protein spikes in it. You put this band aid on your arm. And uh, you wear it for, I forget, 24 hours, and in two weeks you're immune. Wow! So that's pretty cool. Is it like a nicotine patch almost? Yeah, I think it's it's got micro needles and it and it kind of inoculates you under your skin. And uh, I think I don't know exactly how how it works, but I know that uh, that it's uh, it's cool because a lot of the vaccines, like the flu vaccine, although it's stable at room temperature. It has to be kept at a certain temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, you could mail one to everybody in the country. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So it would be, you could you could vaccinate everybody. Right, assuming they did it. Assuming mm-hmm. they did it, and the anti-vaxxers, you know, would... <laughs> they, think it's, they think it's a microchip, right? Right, right, that's going to track you. And that's right. Give your kids autism. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Right. But I think that we're we're probably a year away and I'm just hoping to retire. Yeah. So basically your job's going to suck for forever, forever. Yeah. From now on. (laughs) Not that it wasn't pretty, you know, pretty tough before. No, no. It's actually it's probably it's pretty good job. It was a good it was a good job. I was able to, you know, Colleen knows that, you know, the years that I spent. Uh, running out in the field, I could never plan anything after work because you never. Right, you know, you were, you were on working. Call. I remember. Yeah. You, I remember you being on call, but uh, but I was able to like do things. And when Nick was sick, I, right. I could do things for him. I had a lot of flexibility. But now it's twenty four hours a day, seven right. days a week. Just so. constant. I you just get calls all the time, all the time. Yeah, which sucks, but all the time because I'm all there is. So right, you're you're the you're the go to guy, but um, just but I learned I learned a lot. The best thing about this is I learned a lot. Yeah. You're an expert now. Yeah, and I, I tell your wife I've been trying to get six feet away from her for like ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it took great yeah, excuse. You too, honey. <laughs> and uh, and it took COVID, right, to to get me. But I think that's just funny. So, um, so that, just I, for, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. 
but I mean, there's a lot to be done. We've actually done very well. Uh, we we're taking a lot of precautions to keep our staff and our patients safe. And we've had a handful of cases in staff and handful of cases in patients, but none like the outbreaks that you're seeing in nursing in nursing homes. That that was that was going to be one of my questions was how it compares because I know it's awful in nursing homes. It is, but it's again, it's based on you know, it's it, they're all semi-private rooms. They're very. Um, uh, they're they're very concentrated. There's a lot of communal dining. Patients right. are in uh, open areas together, and or actually closed areas. And you know, and the infection control, the basic infection control stuff, just isn't um, isn't up to par. Right. In those For facilities, sure. they're just not. They're just not as good at it as like hospitals are. Right. right. And that's why we're seeing. But now the state's coming in and they're testing everybody. They're testing. Um, all of the staff at, at facilities now. They're using the National Guard to do that. Um, so I've seen firsthand that a lot of people, the moment that the government was finally like, okay, you can leave the house, that a lot of people are just going back to normal. And not a lot of people are wearing masks when they're out. And um, I know that no one listening to this podcast doesn't know, right? I guess that's a double negative, but they all are aware that you need to wear masks, but just, just, just for clarity's sake, that's a terrible idea, right? To just ignore, to just go back to the way things were. Oh yeah. I mean, you, I, I expect to see some bumps. I, I don't expect to see a huge spike. Um, although when you look around the country, places like Arizona and Florida, that opened up fairly quickly mm-hmm. are having uh, increases in the number of cases. Ohio has uh, stayed pretty uh, flat. They, they, the governor actually has done a very good job at trying to keep the case number down. Right now, one person that has COVID generally infects less than one other person. And that's what you're looking for. That's more like the mm-hmm. flu. The flu, generally right. one person affects another. But when things were really moving and cases were really uh, um, when we were going up, up exponentially, one person was infecting three, four, five other people. Right. And source control is the key. And wearing a mask, a cloth mask in public or in closed spaces um, is, is source control. The, the mask isn't to protect you, right. the wearer, it's to protect others because you decrease the velocity of the droplets that you're expelling even even when you're talking loud and they talk about six feet as the as the distance but it really is a lot longer and what they found is is that it's really more of an airborne transmission where the disease isn't from touching something and then touching your face it's more droplets in the air that enter your nose or your mouth or your eyes even right so if we can stop the number of um, particles that push out from you uh, generally, eventually, they all fall out of solution, and right. and it's much safer. So, and and I've seen since we started opening up, like when I first, when we were first doing it, you go into the store, and you know, 50, more than fifty percent of people were masking, right? And that's that's customers. And now I go in there, and all middle-aged white men don't wear, <laughs> right? Period. Never. Yeah, that's fair. Except for me. Yeah, you are the only middle-aged. Mm-hmm. I was man. the only middle-aged white man that was wearing. <laughs> what an honor. I know. I know. So, and, and they just don't understand that this source control is the only reason why 
they weren't choosing who got the ventilator. Right. So people don't realize that those kind of social distancing and the and sheltering in place and um, and and closing things down was the only way, and people would have died. And and uh, you know, being in healthcare, I've already been touched right. by COVID. You know, through somebody else, you know, staff members mm-hmm. right. and stuff like that. And eventually everybody will be touched. But people really need to realize that it was those things, those measures that mitigate the risk of, of transmitting the disease were the best thing that we could have done. Right. A lot of people are, are saying now, like, look, nothing bad happened. Like, obviously, that we blew this out of the water. But really, the only reason nothing bad really happened was because we took those precautionary measures. Right. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have died. And, and they, there's some medicines that are promising to kind of mitigate. Um, one is giving people nitrous. 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 Nitrous, nitrous. oxide. It's not nitrous oxide. It's the other one. I can't remember. But it's somehow people that get really sick. And end up needing ventilators if you get them on nitrous for a while before it, it they don't necessarily get as sick. Nitrous being nitrous oxide, it's laughing gas, um, or it's related to laughing. Got it. Yeah, I knew that. I was asking for the listeners, not me. Yeah. <laughs> sure but I mean, people have to realize that that is the that is why we're that's why it's taking so long, and um, that's why we were able to limit it at all were all of those mitigating factors and and i hear a lot about people saying you know well they were saying there were going to be a million cases a day and you know these were what the simulations were looking at and the reason why they were saying that and then it didn't happen was because they put all of these right if uh, nothing they shut everything down and and stopped Mm -hmm. it right so so are you you worried that with everything opening back up that it could just pick back up it will I mean, I'm I'm confident that we'll see more cases. Yeah, Ohio's been been better, um, but um, I actually expected a little bump by now from opening up because it usually takes about you know everything's delayed. So the numbers today kind of reflect a couple of weeks back, right? right? So as we open up further and. Uh, people kind of go back to their normal lives and people get back into closed spaces. But again, the new normal is here. Right. And, you know, a lot more people will be working remotely now, just generally. It's because it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and, and so nothing will be, nothing will ever be the same. After right. It's sure. just how close do we get back to where we were, but we'll never get back to where we were, I doubt it, unless we have a a, a really good vaccine. vaccine. But I think um, that I think we're heading in the right direction, and I'm really thankful that we've been able to pull together as a society and do the things that we need to do uh, in order to do that. And you'll see that more rural places are going to start seeing it now, because eventually the virus does have to kind of move its way through right and um and then we'll see spikes and little outbreaks little hot spots they they're saying that there are uh, certain people that are called super spreaders mm-hmm. uh, and these people tend to infect a lot more people and then there are some people that don't affect infect any but it seems like that's why we're seeing hot spots as one person can infect 
a whole bunch of other people and they don't know why that is but mm. uh, but that's what they're it's a, it's a super spreader you know they, they probably could have come up with a little more technical a term but that's that's the that's the technical term wow. super spreader <laughs> but as long as you know and now i see you know at first we couldn't do any testing but now we can test testing is much more available right it's, it's, now although the it's hard to get the swabs, but the the media is okay. The, the stuff that you put the swab in is okay, and and um, so we're testing more and more and more and more, and we'll get a better idea. And then once we have a viable antibody test, then we can really do some really significant surveillance and see how many people actually had it. You know how, many, and then we can say, did anybody get it twice? You know, or right. people, you know, are do they have immunity? So the combination of the the reverse transcriptate PS PCR test, which is um, another RNA mm. based test. Mm. And then you have the antibody test, which is called an ELISA, which is just put it on a Petri dish and see if there's a reaction to antibodies. So got it again, way over my pay grade. I barely passed chemistry. So well, that's all right. It's just, it's really the, the science is really interesting when it comes to testing. Yeah. I, and, I can imagine. And, and it's really cutting edge stuff. And, you know, I remember during the Ebola scare, because Ebola never actually got here, but we were affected by it. I right. remember taking you to the ER from college that during yes. that, and they asked you all the questions. Yes. And, yeah. That was a scary. That was a scary day. Yeah, that was. And I got into a car accident that same day. That was mm-hmm. a not a good day. Is there one thing? So if there's one thing everyone should be doing. Masking. Is it, is it masking? Yeah. That, uh. Masking, you, it's called source control. So right. Source control. So if you, if we, if we're saying that one out of four people have the virus but are asymptomatic, right? And it could even be more. I mean, it, but I think it's probably mm-hmm. around one in four. That means that if, but if everybody masks, that protects you from the people that are asymptomatic that don't know that they have the virus, right. but that they are shedding. We don't know exactly how what kind of viral load they have. So, you know, how much are they shedding? How infectious are they? But we know that, you know, we find people that are sick that we can't find anybody that was sick that they came in contact with. So that, that gives us, so I think if there was one thing that we could do is, you know, masking and then, you know, keep your distance. Right. Right, right. And, And get the vaccine. And get the vaccine. Including your flu vaccine. Definitely. I, I have mine. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, if you don't get it, I mean, we're, you'll just give it to me yourself. I know. No, 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 no. I, I mean, you're a grown man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's you know, you need to get it because you don't want to get in the in a in a world of COVID. If you right. have anything that you can limit this flu, right? Because you could theoretically you could become co-infected with both, and then right. you really are screwed <laughs> so yeah all right i will i promise um everybody so get, you get, get your, your vaccine as well get your flu vaccine Me too. Get your yeah. vaccine don't Wherever be a hater don't be just do it i won't let's <laughs> do it um, it's not about you it's about everybody else so at the end of our guest lecture because you are our esteemed guest lecturer um we do something we've lovingly called the cold call um, and this is the first time we'll ever have to explain what a cold call is. 
Um, so the way law school works is that when they don't ask for volunteers more so, they call people on a list and you have to answer the question um, without knowing that you're going to be called on. Okay. It's called the Socratic method. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Socrates, he, uh, he would do that shit all the time where he'd like ask them questions to like make a point, right? Uh, so we're doing the cold call in that we're going to ask you some questions. Me? Yes. Okay. And you have yes. like about 10 to 15 seconds to answer. So okay. don't, and, and don't worry about, because uh, okay. we, we will be grading you. That's um, the so only really, time ever. Really weird to say this to yeah. my father, yeah. but here we are. Uh, <laughs> just, just don't think about it too much. Just give the first answer that comes off the top of your head. Um, I refuse to ask any of these questions. Um, okay. Because they're ridiculous so i'm gonna make ollie ask them all and i will throw in questions that i believe are pertinent along the way like follow-up questions. yeah 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 or or the ones that we forgot okay uh so i'll ollie take it away yes sir will do i well i kind of disagree with sean that these are ridiculous but <laughs> i think they're of utmost importance um so first question who's your favorite child all of them. Oh, oh God, that was a good answer. Um, a while ago, so a while ago, Sean and I, we were discussing whether or not he should grow out a mullet. I said he should grow a mullet, and I wanted to ask his father's opinion on Sean growing out his hair. No, I'm a, I'm a high and tight guy. I, Thank you. I, I keep mine trimmed. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I mean, I guess you could, I, I, I wouldn't ever stop somebody from getting a mullet if they can grow it. Um, but I think, I think that, uh, I think high and tight is easier to manage and, and you get less shit from people. Did you, did you ever rock a mullet in your youth? No, but I had, I had your hair down to the middle of my back. Yep. You were, a, you were one of those rock stars. Yeah. Those With my 12 string guitar. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> right, I, and you played Stairway to Heaven on the. I do. I know. I do, yeah, I, I went to uh, guitar lessons when I must. I must have been like ten or eleven, maybe twelve, and I was really going so that I could impress girls. Right? right, of course. So I walked into this this guy, and he had this guitar, and I said, "I want to learn Stairway to Heaven so I can impress these girls." He said, "No, you have to do these uh, scales and things and practice." And I said, "No, no, 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 I." I want to learn Stairway to Heaven right. to impress the girls. And right. then he wouldn't let me, so I quit and went home and learned <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. So Excellent. So my twin brother uh, did go through all the lessons, and he became a wonderful mm. musician. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> but, crazy. But you but know Stairway to Heaven. When I was 11, <laughs> I was getting a lot more action. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he was doing all the scales and everything, but he wasn't getting anything back then. All right. You and your wife wanted a girl. If Sean was a girl, what would his name be? Her name be? His name? Her? Yeah. What would Sean's name be? Madeline? Maggie. 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 Maggie? Maggie. I Dude, know what I'm calling. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Let's call Sean Maggie for the rest of the episode. No, I, I disagree. I, I don't. I agree. Do you think he would answer though? If, or, or maybe you just get really quiet. No, I don't. I, I'm protesting. Because dressing you up in dresses. <laughs> That's was it. That was okay. But you calling me Maggie. <laughs> drawing the line. <laughs> right? 
What's uh, what's your favorite embarrassing story about Sean? Embarrassing moment for me or for him? I, uh, both. Oh no, either. I got that. My favorite one is is when he shot my brand new television. I told you, Ollie. Yeah, that's and then the thing is, is that Sean really compared to the rest of them, Sean really hasn't given us a lot of embarrassing moments. He's been pretty stable, except for but, shooting your TV. But for shooting my TV, you know. Can you can you give me uh, kind of a, oh my a timeline of when I first got the airsoft gun to when I walked upstairs crying, <laughs> telling you that I shot your no, I TV. was camping, dude. I had to tell him. I was camping, That's and right. your mother came to me and she said, "Now, now, promise, you know, that you won't kill him, because the thing is, is that that was where I exercised down there, right? So mm-hmm. I have to have it." And uh, TV technically worked. Oh no, we got an extra TV out of it. It's true. Because we actually we actually sent that one back on warranty. Because it was brand new. Because we don't know what happened to it. It just stopped, <laughs> it just stopped working. <laughs> you know, it looks like somebody shot it with an airsoft gun. <laughs> but you know, and, and and the funny thing is, is that I I kept going running it through in my mind how it happened. Like he's just like messing around, messing around, messing around that <clears throat> and then it took how long did it take before you realized <laughs> I spent about a half an hour trying to turn it off and turn it off. Like, imagine that would somehow fix the broken. That's awesome. Like, it'll just, like, it'll just go back to normal. Yeah, it'll like, be, it would it'll just, be fine. It was a software problem. Like, it was just, it was a problem. It, like, you know, it's it an update. It was a user issue, yeah. I think. That's, that's yeah, what Some it idiot shot it. All right, I'll have you know that I thought the safety was on. <coughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. You told me that. And then I, uh, I accidentally pressed But I think other than that, I mean, I mean, again, you're, you're not an embarrassing guy. You don't do stupid shit a lot. So it's, I do stupid shit all the time, but you, you know, just don't tell I just us. don't tell you. Yeah. Well, that, you know, we're, you know, insulating from us, from those kind of things is, is commendable, actually. Probably. I think you should it, keep it all that yourself. I really do. It might still be in the box. <laughs> okay. Oh, be yeah, I think you gotta go. Look, no, no. I'm going to have to go find it. <laughs> this is actually a really nice vest. Um, that's, that's all the ones I can think of. Yeah, that, that's it. Uh, my last question, Sean mentioned that you were, you were in a band, um, in your, in your youth, which was like a few, few years ago. Um, did you have any songs that were, that were released to like iTunes or? Yeah. Yeah. It's called a soldier's war. It was released by Steve Weissman, who was my partner. And we Mm -hmm. played when we were in high school and, and I continued to perform some when I was in college. But um, but it's on it's on it's a terrible song. Didn't he didn't he like release it without giving? <laughs> yeah, he released it. and He did. Yeah, he told me. Uh, he he actually contacted me and says I'm releasing this album. I've always wanted to do this, and um, and he just he can't sing for one thing. That's the that was he's a he was a great guitarist and he was a great mentor for me because he really taught me how to play and how to write. But uh, but it's. Uh, it was a much better song in high school than it was when, when he released it. <laughs> I, but I, I know he didn't give me credit, but it, but I did write that one. So yeah. So I wrote a bunch of songs with my twin brother, and I, I, I don't think I could play any of them. There's some cassette tapes probably down in the basement somewhere. Really? Because oh, we used to, John and I used to like make albums when we were kids. Wow. Yeah, so you write a whole bunch of music and yeah. and put it all together. I know but, what an album is. But most of it was bad. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I mean, most of it was bad. It wasn't. It wasn't ever very good. I remember when we recorded, when Steve and I rec- <laughs> recorded, we had we wrote about ten ten songs or eight songs, and we went to a recording studio in um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, and he bought recording time, and we put I don't know five of them down. And uh, and I remember the guy stopping after we stopped. He says, "Yeah, that sounds really popish, man." I said, "Thanks. Glad you like it." He said, "I didn't say I liked it. I said it sounded very pop." You know? <laughs> so that that was the only thing that that's when I realized. That was that, the constructive uh, feedback you got. Yeah, I wrote your mother a song um, when I was in college, and I wrote one called Heidelberg Woman," which was wow. which was probably the only one I ever played out there. So nice, yeah. Um, any other questions, Ali, for our cold call? No, that is all I had. I give I give him an A plus, A plus plus. No, that's just because oh, it's fun. So uh, I have one more question. I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, is there a particular artist you you are a, a big fan of um, now? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you're gonna make me say I'm that. Make you you say are gonna make on me air. say that. <laughs> yes. Oh, is there a particular artist that you are just just, just really I'm not I'm not like totally into it right you, now. But I'm just gonna okay, say it, okay, I'm a Swifty, okay? I'm a Swifty. <laughs> Fine. Get <laughs> it, you fucker. <laughs> oh my god. She just loves her fans. She loves her fans. You're damn right. She treats her fans well. That's right. And and she writes, you know, she writes like simple stuff. You know, she actually she writes stuff that, that I mean that's how I wrote. So yeah. so I you and Taylor Kindred, kindred spirits. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read about wrote about boys and yeah, you know, yeah. breakups. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't. You but being, I wore <laughs> and being cheer captain and you sitting on the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, was, that was actually Heidelberg Woman. That was the song, right? Yeah, Heidelberg Woman was the, That was it. <laughs> that was it. Got screams from the front row. I'll yeah, never yeah, forget yeah. that. Actually, we have a, me. It was me and Mike Babe, and we have a picture of that somewhere. That particular performance, I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. For, well, I give you, for, I'll give you an A minus because because it took me l- too long to say Taylor's. No, right? because you're calling me Maggie, so that's 100 <laughs> right. A minus. Don't but, be sad. Don't be sad. Mag. Come on, Mag. Ah, Mags. Come on. Uh, <laughs> thank you for thank you for for coming on. No problem. Um, I can't think of anything else that I'd rather do on Father's, Father's Day, Day than you know talk to my son on on the podcast. <laughs> I'll never know if that's sarcastic. Or no, no, no. That's true. It, I, I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dad. No uh, problem, Mr. Son. Mr. Williamson. Yes. Um, infection prevention, preventionist. Preventionist. That's right. Now Medical I, professional. used to be con- I used to be infection control nurse, but then all the infection control nurses got together and said, "No, we're infection preventionists." Ah, right. Which doesn't just means we prevent infection. We don't control it. Right. We. Prevent, prevent it. Right. But that's, yes, I just, more. I say it because it's more impressive. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. So thank so you, Dad. Bye. Right. See ya. <laughs> Great meeting you. <laughs> hey, Ollie. Hey, Sean. <laughs> We've talked about a whole bunch of stuff today. Yeah, but Sean, I have. Um, I have a question. I have to look through my notes real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure, for sure, for sure. So it says in my notes. Okay. Wow, you actually pulled out a notebook for this bit. I really, I truly appreciate the level of dedication. 
Was this legal advice? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me let me let me check my notes. Uh, uh, no, this <laughs> this was in no way legal advice. Um, neither of us are attorneys. Um, if you have a sexual orientation or gender identity lawsuit, you should probably see a real lawyer um, instead of taking advice from two middle of the curve law students. Well, you can follow us on Instagram at MOTC underscore podcast or on Twitter at MOTC podcast. Remember to send us all your angry tweets about how we incorrectly interpreted Title Seven or the or case itself. Angry DMs on Instagram. Yeah, please do. I'm very excited. I'm I'm hoping that one of these days we get our first our first angry, angry DM or tweet. I'm very excited for that data to happen. I am. Yes. I'm excited. We're, we're, I'm excited for our future sponsorships. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Hopefully fingers crossed. I have to check on that. I mean, we obviously need to hear from our listeners. Um, if you had to pick one, if you had to pick one professor for us to, for us to talk to, from all of the classes we took our one all year, what professor would it be? DM us. Make sure you DM us. <laughs> DM us at MOTC underscore podcast or tweet at us at MOTC podcast. I'm fascinated to hear A, if anyone listened this far and B, if anyone has any very strong opinions on who we should interview. Ollie, are you a, uh, I know we re-rated my father really well on the cold call, but are we ever going to be top of the curve? I need to check my transcript. Um, <laughs> see all those P's? <laughs> I know. I, all I see is a bunch of no credits. Uh, <laughs> the young NCs. I will never be top of the curve. Why we'll is that? See if I if I end up get on the, getting a journal position. Oh, um, after all the work you put I in? Was, it was not because I was a top of the curve. It was pure dumb luck. <laughs> When are those released, by the way? Uh, next sometime in July. Well, I'm sure you'll get it, Ollie. You put in the effort. I, I am not as confident, but I'm glad <laughs> you are. Why aren't you going to be top of the curve, Ollie? Uh, because being top of the curve is for gunners and nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I, I tell myself that so I feel better at night. <laughs> Team on three, one, two, three, team. <laughs> you know, I think one of these days we're going to have to actually, like, <laughs> figure out an outro or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But today, today is not that day.